0: Um, ah, oh, we missed it. We missed it. Mm-hmm. I'm, listen, by the way, uh, audience, I am, uh, interviewing for a co-host. Um, <laughs> I, am at one hour and two minutes and okay. 51, 52, 53. All I can, right. I'm almost there. Do you want me to pause and you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. You tell me when you're at one hundred three oh two, and count me up, Mike. All right, one hundred three oh two. We lost a lot of It's gonna be three, two,
1: person.
2: one, go. Okay. Hey, listen, you have to transmission those all together. You think we're gonna be able to block
0: off? On... I'm afraid to look at your screen. Okay, Here's so now we learned that there's a roadblock ahead. Okay, and they, you know there's no way they're gonna get through it. So burt reynolds time. gets this great idea we'll piggyback on the back is, of a truck
1: is he's is he on a cb and is he talking cb shit he's like hey 10-4 good buddies it's a smoking we, we got you a, a uh, guy.
0: just the lightest little bit bandit okay that plate is from the james bond movies it's um golden uh golden i night? have the, I'm not sure which two. I have it here. The man
1: with the golden arm?
0: It might be the fly who bugged me. (laughs) (laughs) That's their joke in this movie.
1: Yeah. That's a real joke in this movie? Yeah. Someone put that in a screenplay and got paid for
0: it? Yeah, Bianca Jagger goes, oh my goodness, it's so hot. And he goes, I don't know. When I was in Cairo shooting the fly who bugged me, it was 130 in the shade. The
1: fly bugly. <laughs> oh man. That's how the peab that's how they won the Peabody Award. Go to sleep, you weary hobo. Let the towns drift slowly by. Hear the steel rails humming. That's the hobo's lullaby. I know your clothes are torn and ragged, and your hair. With your head and smile at trouble, you'll find peace and rest someday, go to sleep. tonight you're in a nice warm box car But when you die and go to heaven,
2: today to
3: And welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman! Yay! It's Friday, April 16th, 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Good to be back here on our Friday. We recorded, and by we, the the general we, uh, the last show uh, this past Monday, and that is up right now on the server, so please do check out that episode. And we'll also update our page, weeklyref.org. We're broadcasting live here from Mutiny Radio. We're on the corner of 21st and Florida And we are in San Francisco, which is on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramitushaloni people, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. And for more information, please go to weeklyrev.org. And on our land acknowledgement page, there's a lot of resources, places to donate, including the Segorite Land Trust, as well as threads of Native news outlets to follow and more action items that folks can take to be in solidarity with Indigenous communities. On the show today... I will be playing uh, an interview that I did uh, yesterday. And so excited, uh, I spoke with uh, Shonda Ja And so we just had a really great talk and I really miss speaking with folks and super grateful that we were able to have a very uh, enlightening conversation and there's humor in it too, which is always important when talking about lots of issues that are just can be incredibly heartbreaking and difficult and how to navigate the world that is as it is right now. So, I'll we'll be playing that in just a bit. So, please do tune in. And yeah, really excited to share it and so uplifting. And I really appreciate speaking with folks. Yeah. Start off with some music as we usually do. I change it up. I recognize that some shows have theme songs. I just uh, have not decided to do that. So I'll start off with a song by Pete Seeger called Hobo's Lullaby, and I picked up this record, a little uh, literal record, uh, at Community Thrift because on the back they had some of the lyrics for that song, and including how uh, police cause trouble everywhere, and when you go to heaven, there will be no policemen there. And, um, yep, going to stand by that those, those lyrics there, so I thought that would be a good song to open up the show with, and then following that was a more kind of uh, faster song, Called Bedhead by Manchester Orchestra. And we'll be playing some more music throughout the show. And um, first, I'm just going to go ahead and play this interview. Yay! Yay! I'm excited to, uh, to share it with you all. And here we go. I, the first part of it's cut off a little bit, but uh, here we go. And this is uh, Shonda Ja.
4: New work identity. I'm no longer the executive director of the Oakland Peace Center. Oh. Um, I yeah I we moved to a horizontal staffing structure at the OPC so now oh. I'm a contract employee and the people that I brought on to the team are now my boss um, so it's really <laughs> cool it's really exciting um, and it's a huge change I was the founder of that organization and uh, there were a lot of blood there was a lot of blood sweat and tears that went into it and so I only handed my keys in uh, last week. And that was a whole thing. Um, so Mm -hmm. now I am a freelance consultant, uh, doing anti-oppression work, um, and working with nonprofits, working with faith communities, uh, doing diversity, equity, and inclusion, or doing anti-oppression or doing intersectionality work, doing community organizing, even, uh, in some of those spaces so it's definitely more where my joy is it's definitely more where my passion is uh these days um i'm not a great administrator and that's what being an ed mostly is i so yeah so that's going on and i'm also working on my next book um so that's exciting oh
3: excellent can we can we talk about your next book
4: Absolutely. And it ties into the event I want to talk to you about. So
3: yeah.
4: um, my next book is on how connecting with the spiritual and cultural practices of our ancestors can equip us for the work of dismantling white supremacy. Oh, It's kind of exciting. Yeah. It's and I exciting. think it's true. I think it's true for white people as well as people of color. And that's some of what's, um, interesting to be playing around with is how we identify ancestors, which ancestors have been withheld from us. Mm-hmm. How we help heal our ancestors. Yeah. Um, so all of that's part of the work. I don't know if that's stuff you've thought much about before.
3: Um, definitely. I mean, I feel like I didn't really. Um, so I'm just for listeners or whomever. Like I'm a Ashkenazi Jewish, and my grandparents came over from Eastern Europe, and I didn't really. I know I knew one grandparent, and that. So I feel like uh, I have some sense of where I came from, but also not so much as to beyond a certain point. Um, sorry, I can kind of hear myself a little bit, so it's a little bit distracting. Um <laughs> Yeah, I definitely have thought about it a lot with wanting to, like, wishing I could have known them and or known their struggle and, like, knowing a little bit from what I've heard from what they went through, especially my mom's father and yeah. his family and, and what it's like just to lose family members and to die. and even though I didn't know them, I still feel like my mom carried from her father some, you know, some of those genetic, those feelings, uh, the um, uh and it's i inherited some of that as well so just think about epigenetics i guess is what i was thinking of yes Uh, it's something to definitely and like how many folks because it's like the world just there's always been like as far as i know like violence and trauma that more people than not have experienced and then we hold it within us and it's still happening this day in various ways um especially in this country. So like, yeah. how do we continue to go about our day while holding what has happened in the past and what we've inherited? Yes, yes.
4: I think that's absolutely right. And I think there's something about, it's interesting. Cause I think as I've been thinking about this, I'm living in this tension of our ancestors weren't perfect. And so this idea of kind of reconnecting to our ancestors, isn't kind of a magical solution to a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And they did an awful lot of things in order to survive. And they made decisions based on the desire to make sure that we would exist. Um, Mm. And so where do I, where do I embrace the wisdom Uh, And their ability to survive and their ability sometimes to thrive. Uh, And where do I say they did what they could with the tools they had, and it's my job to do better because they created a space for me to exist. And where do I hold them accountable? And what do I need to forgive? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to make right on their behalf? So I think sometimes we engage it as a very romantic thing and it isn't necessarily, Um, but it's also really profound and powerful and can open up all sorts of stories and connections that have been withheld from us because this, this country in particular, but the economy in general thrives on us being disconnected, being disconnected from each other, being disconnected from our, Origin stories being disconnected from the legacies of the freedom fighters that came before us, um, all of that, and so just that act of connecting, I think, yes. is really
3: profound. As well as being disconnected from ourselves too. Yes. And like, what is you know what, what's offered to us, and then what's possible.
4: Exactly. Exactly.
3: What are we <sighs> There's so much material there, just and like so much to explore as well, and I think yep. it's def- definitely applicable applicable to like absolutely everybody.
4: Oh my gosh, it totally is. There's some really exciting stuff, and it's been really interesting to watch who ha- who I've talked with, who's come at it with great enthusiasm and uh, even gratitude, and who's come at it with great anxiety. Yes. Um, and it's really interesting to to reflect on how both of those are understandable responses. And I'm excited for some of my, um, for some of my white friends who have been kind of saying, well, what do I do with the fact Uh, that I'm, oh, did you lose me?
3: Uh, Yeah, just a moment. If you would just go back and if you could please repeat what you were just saying.
4: Yeah, so I'm really excited for some of my uh, white friends to, who have said to me, "Well, what do I do with the fact that I'm just a mutt?" For them to get to realize who they are beyond this construct of whiteness, um, one of my friends, yes. yeah, one of my friends who said this to me is from Oklahoma, and I'm like, "Have you ever thought that Woody Guthrie is one of your ancestors? Like, mm-hmm. your ancestors aren't just biologically constructed, right?" Um, Your ancestors are the people who shared the soil with you, who had different ways of engaging the world, whose uh, work of liberation is something you get to claim. Uh, I think there's something really powerful about that. And I have to do my own work, right? I'm South Asian, um, mixed race South Asian. My family are Brahmins we may have gone through a lot of horrors. We may have survived some really awful stuff at the hands of colonialism, Mm -hmm. but also within our context, um, we were, we were rural. We didn't have a lot of resources, but we always had land. Mm -hmm. Um, so what does it mean that we always had access to land and the privilege that goes along with that and the position we held, uh, within, You know, in communities that had nothing, we always had a little something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what's some of the work I have to do to make right uh, all of the things that my ancestors benefited from, right? Mm. So, yeah, so there's a lot of complexity to it, and it's really exciting. And I'm curious to see um, what possibilities for solidarity actually emerge out of all of us doing our own work.
5: Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting! Well, I look is. forward to reading that.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so that we could talk a little bit about the upcoming event that you had also right. mentioned and said was like tied into the book.
4: It totally is. So yeah, I am really excited, and you may have already talked to people, or you may know people who have gone through this program, but I'm mm-hmm. really excited about the fact that. I got to be one of the spring residents, artists in residence uh, for Radar Productions' Show Us Your Spines program. Uh, It's, I figured you probably knew some folks who had gone through it, yeah. Um, So it's done in partnership with the San Francisco Public Library, which not everybody knows, has an LGBTQIA archives. Um, And so this residency connects, queer and trans people of color artists with those collections of those archives. And they personally curate, you know, we say, here's the area I want to focus on. And they curate uh, materials for us to research over the course of about a month. And then we put together a performance piece that gets showcased. And the showcase is April 22nd, 6 p.m. Pacific, and it's on, uh, it's on the Twitch channel for The Stud uh, is where okay. you can find it. Yeah, so okay. that's really cool. It's another partnership. They also partner with The Stud. Excellent. Yeah. And so my piece is actually about this subject. It's about connecting with the stories of queer South Asian immigrant ancestors. Because mm. I was really hoping to tap into some of their wisdom to ground me. Yeah, um, yes. Now, what was mind blowing? I was not expecting this. Uh, was the very amazing curator of those archives, Mason J. Uh, yes. Oh, you know Mason! Yay!
3: Yes. Yes. Mason's been on the show before. Of yeah. course,
4: they have. I love that. Um, so, so Mason did this really great, um, you know, check-in with me and with all all four of us, and. And at the end of kind of saying, so here are the materials I'm gonna pull for you. Mason also did a card reading to solicit Mm. the wisdom of the ancestors. Ooh. And Mason said that what the ancestors were telling them uh, to tell me was it would be very easy for my project to get wrapped up in and consumed by shame, by their shame or even by Mm -hmm. my shame. And that what the ancestors wanted me to focus on was stories of joy, stories of resistance, stories of their power. Mm. And I thought, oh sure, of course, that's how I do my anti-racism work. That's gonna be easy. Um, Silly ancestors, don't they know I already (laughs) do that? Um, And then I realized that to tap into the story of queer South Asian ancestors, In this area, the primary resource I had, thanks to a couple of friends who do this work, is because of their prison records. Mm. The only reason we know they existed and we know that they were engaged in same-gender love or same-gender sex was because they were sent to San Quentin for, quote, unquote, crimes against nature Mm -hmm. and so it turns out the ancestors were not as stupid as i thought they were because they were like yeah you're gonna confront the fact that the whole way that south asian male in particular identity was constructed in this country was deviancy and not real manhood and corrupting of real american men Right, that was how mm. the court discussions always went. Was how these deviant men, who weren't really men, um, were trying to destroy American, which meant white young men, and trying to pull them into this depraved lifestyle. And so, there was something about you know, we talk a lot about how Asian women are exotified and how that's weaponized against Asian women. Um, mm-hmm. in that time when in this country, for the most part, people were still thinking in a gender binary, uh, manhood was brought into question because of orientation and that intersected with very much with, um, with race and, mm-hmm. um, historic location and you see the photos of these dudes they're big buff hard-working like farmhands and construction workers um who are being classified in a very different way than what their presenting um appearance would indicate Mm -hmm. and so there was something about i mean it brings to light how ridiculous the constructs of race and gender are Um, and the binaries uh, around gender as well. And so to sit with those images, to read those court documents, and to think where's the joy in that story Mm. gives me a chance, and this is not something I have spent a lot of time doing in a public way, gives me a chance to sit with if they took that level of risk What was the joy of that physical connection? What was the joy of Mm. that sexual connection? Um, And to really honor how powerful that is, I think is pretty amazing and has something to teach us.
5: Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, dude, I only got like 10 minutes to uh, do a piece, so I don't get into tons of detail, but you know, there, just getting to delve into that subject was really mind blowing to me. I don't know if that brings up stuff for you cuz you've done a lot of uh research into some of this kind of stuff as well. Maybe slightly different but you know, aligned. A, l- a little bit. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's um like as far more as far as like the history of queerness goes. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I've been cutting out a little bit. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly even, I guess the best way I can relate to it right now is just in terms of, like, I'm 40 and seeing what's changed in the last, you know, a few decades, or, I mean, I came out in high school, so I'm thinking about, like, what's, com- what's changed since then in terms of homophobia and transphobia yeah. and, like, my own internalization of those, unfortunately, which is, like, ubiquitous, especially, despite growing up in or around uh cities and being raised by fairly leftist open-minded people still like these messages of anti-queerness are so especially in the 80s they're like so like they're everywhere in the media like through politicians and then it's so difficult not to internalize some of those messages even if there is um so much that's trying to counter that and of course it all just ties into colonialism and white supremacy yeah. and it's so thinking about what's changed you know since younger which is you know like what, what folks now who are growing up have at least as like visibility for instance with media which I know definitely is a whole conversation on to its own and also it's like wow there are like trans characters played by trans people on yep. this show that is fucking awesome yeah. You know, as trans men, we got like Hillary Swank. So yep. like, this is like <laughs> there are you know steps in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Obviously, visibility is not everything, but it's like oh wow. And then I think about with the with the I just saw this great documentary called Voinovich uh, about David Voinovich, who was a, a queer artist in the eighties, and like a lot of what he was talking about then was is still going on, certainly politically, but with all the homophobia around the HIV and AIDS crisis yeah. and what folks then were going through. And then you know, just thinking about like when you know folks could be arrested for like separate, like being arrested for cross cross dressing. And I'm using quotation marks, listeners. Yes. um, And just how like and police raiding gay bars, which I know they still do, but like still how criminalized uh, queerness has been. And so so I'm just going. There's like there's like so much to get into here, but just the, the history of people's bodies have been policed, and it's still happening. It just maybe looks differently. Absolutely. <sighs> yeah. I guess I was pretty uh revved up. It's
4: about a that. lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And there's something about I mean, you're talking about internalization. Like the fact that Mason said the ancestors were like, pay attention to your own shame, don't get sucked into it. Like that's a <laughs> thing, right? Um and so to think about so many people before us have sacrificed so that we could push harder for more is pretty amazing.
3: And so I, te-
4: I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm finding, my- Oh, sorry.
3: Sorry. If you just repeat that, it just got, it's yeah.
4: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I really appreciated that Mason let me know the ancestors had told me to be aware of my own shame in this process yes. because that internalization is a real thing and so i found my i have found myself recently paying a lot of attention to how much gratitude i can extend to the people who went before who took such huge risks and were yes. were so bold and brave whose stories i'm only beginning to learn um, yes because they made it possible for us to fight even louder for more and i right. think that's pretty amazing
3: yes yeah definitely that we're part of the reason that we're here is that because of uh, other folks were able to be out and yep. took risks and were often punished for it yep Absolutely. and oftentimes it I mean, I think about that as a a trans person quite often, just how things were not easy. However, they're so much easier in terms of accessing medical care and finding community.
4: Yes. 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 And there are people who made that possible, right?
3: Absolutely. I love that. And I think that, yeah, and I think the idea for all of us is that we want to make it so the next generations have it easier. Yes. There's always so much work to be done. <laughs> There's so much work to be done
4: and i mean uh, yeah. I'm, I'm laughing about that but i mean 33 states i i'm sure you've done shows just on this subject and i'm not the expert on this but like um 33 states uh trying to move through anti-trans legislation right
3: mm-hmm. now right yeah it's yeah. sickening it's it's disgusting and it's cruel i mean i run out of adjectives each time yep
4: as well as it's lazy i mean they've gone to the effort of saying who is it that we can get the most collective contempt for right Um, right. and let's just do that um Mm -hmm. so i mean on top of it being just yeah there are no adjectives but like anti-human and just absolutely depl- deplorable. It is also just profoundly lazy. Mm. Um because they can't say here's what we're for.
3: Right. Right. They don't care about the health care the health of even cis women because yep. they let all these predators out. Yep.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, when you say we have so much work to do, it's very very true and That's where some of my strength is increasingly coming from is who are the people before who did this, right? Like including people Mm -hmm. that I had heard of and didn't know the story, right? Like I celebrated Polly Murray as a radical queer feminist and I'm only learning. Oh, there's more to that story, right? Polly Murray was a trans person without access to um, all of the things that would have made that, more possible to live fully into right um Mm -hmm. and Polly murray was i mean we in some ways we have Polly murray to thank for brown versus board of education and all of these Mm -hmm. major civil rights victories because they were one of the most brilliant legal minds of their time um how amazing is it to now learn that was somebody who was paving a way um For me, in my research, one of—oh, sorry, did you lose me again? Or can you hear me okay?
3: Yeah, now I can. You were saying (laughs) to lose one of technology to lose one of the.
4: Oh, now I'm losing you. Do you Uh, think it? Do you think it would work better if we turned our cameras off? I know that that's not necessarily a guarantee. Is it worth yeah, a, try? a try? Yeah. I hate doing it, okay. but
3: yeah, let's see. Okay.
4: They say that that sometimes improves bandwidth. I have no oh, idea. Oh,
3: okay. Yeah.
4: It's worth a shot. Um,
3: Definitely.
4: Thank I'm sad not suggesting. to get to see your face, but um, so okay, uh, yeah, what a what an amazing gift it is to learn that. Polly Murray was out there fighting uh, for trans rights. Somebody who was one of the best legal minds of their time. Uh, mm-hmm. In in small ways, I mean, in big ways, fighting for women. In big ways, fighting for Black folks. In small ways, trying to help us understand different ways of understanding gender, which is mm-hmm. part of part of the work, right? Um, yes. For me, because I I am I am a woman um tending more towards they than she these days but still a cis woman um with who has never sat well within traditional constructs of womanhood um or what it means to be a woman as i was doing my research for this and this did get mentioned very briefly in um in the showcase piece next week but um as i was digging through uh, queer south asian ancestors i came across a queer east asian american ancestor uh margaret jesse chung who was the first american-born uh, doctor of asian descent in this country and she, can you re- repeat the last name, please? Yeah, Margaret – J- sorry, Margaret Jessie Chung, who mm-hmm. was born in San Francisco in – or maybe – yeah, in Santa Barbara, uh, but moved to San Francisco in, like, 1889 and became the first female – well, became the first American doctor of Asian descent, Chinese descent mm. in this country, was a woman – was the most dapper dresser you could possibly imagine. <laughs> was constantly having affairs with any woman she could get her hands on. Was, uh, uh, dr- yeah, totally drove drove a sports car at like absolute maximum speeds through the streets of san francisco in Uh, the 1920s i mean she's like i'm like i wish i had that level of swagger and she's doing (laughs) that in the 1920s and the 1930s she was rumored to have had uh an affair with i'm trying to remember um a famous movie actress while they were both raising funds for the boys during world war ii uh, um She's a legend. And this is like in the 1920s. She dressed better than I dress now. And her way of reshaping what gender meant uh, mm-hmm. all that time ago is part of why I'm allowed to say, hey, not femme, not butch. Um, I'm, I'm functioning in this different space. Yeah. Um, and how great is it to know that there are people who did that work? Maybe not on our behalf, but functionally on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings me a great deal of comfort when I'm like, I feel like everyone keeps trying to put me in a box. I'm like, I bet they tried to put Margaret Chung in a box, too, and she wouldn't let them. Yeah. So gives me a little more strength for my days.
3: Definitely. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, there's so many folks out there that we just don't know. Yeah. They're, and it's also just about the selective retelling of history exactly. and who gets celebrated and who doesn't who gets a movie or ten movies made about them, who gets taught in schools, and there's so many pretty much other folks who... It's just... I I don't have the words for it, but I would love to learn more about.
4: Yes. Yes, exactly. I hear rumors that there's an excellent documentary about Polly Murray through a trans-affirming lens. Ah. Um, Yeah, apparently... somebody i met on tinder was telling me all about it. Uh, oh, <laughs> that, uh, that it, it came out at I, like I think it was a person. yeah i know right um so it, it, apparently it came out uh 2019 or 2020 it was featured in the san francisco film festival. so okay. yeah i'm definitely going to have to dig that up. yeah there's so many ancestors that Uh, can give us strength for the really hard work we have ahead of us. Because it is. It's hard work. It's still hard work.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, there's so much to push back against. Uh That's what I'm just finding. It's just, it's like, it's this on there's like an ongoing, like, onslaught of state violence. Yeah. And it, it how to have time to even heal from past trauma and right. also just rem- remember to like enjoy the earth and yeah be joyful and appreciative and how yes. to do everything at uh, simultaneously sometimes and then take <laughs> a break because it's hard not to i definitely get into that rut where i'm yes. doing the twitter updates because i don't really trust most um corp- i don't trust any corporate media but i don't yeah. trust any mainstream media certainly and like mm-hmm. you know reading about like what's happening in minneapolis right now or brooklyn center and yeah it's hard to you know where does one get to the point where it's like oh just by me reading about this I'm not necessarily sure I might be sharing it with people but I'm also not so where's the where's the point to kind of not necessarily disengage but to um I guess recognize one can't take on everything at the same time
4: it's interesting because this is the thing that I keep pushing so I do a lot of anti-oppression work and, and particularly anti-racism work. That's really, um, really where I focus a lot of my energy. And Mm -hmm. I just, I just taught this online course. Well, I have an online course that is available for people to take, uh, at their leisure. Um, but I did, uh, back when it launched simultaneously facilitate a series of conversations to go along with it. And, um, one of the things I push folks to do is say it's okay to choose the thing you're going to focus on and mm-hmm. I think that that is terrifying to some folks because they're like but then I can't do all the things and I'm like if you try to do all the things you're not going to do them well yes yeah. and if you choose the one thing and do it well chances are it will end up connecting with the other issues right like there's yeah,
3: a because connected
4: Exactly. There's an LGBTQ church that I've done a little bit of work with in Fort Worth. They are, an because, am- I mean, God bless anybody who's doing LGBTQ affirming church work in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm. That is amazing work. Um, And they invited me out a few years ago to do a little intersectionality workshop with them, uh, partly because the pastor was feeling very concerned about the fact that they weren't doing enough around Black Lives Matter. Um, And she wanted the church to recognize that they needed to broaden their focus. And in the Mm -hmm. course of the conversations I had with them, at some point I said to the pastor, hey, if you stay with your focus on – advocating with and on behalf of lgbtq folks um for basic civil rights in the dallas fort worth area you're gonna end up dealing with homeless trans youth you're gonna Mm -hmm. end up dealing with the intersection of black and gay and trans issues uh around police brutality because um trans black folks are dealing with police brutality on a higher level than Mm -hmm. um Than other folks. If you're doing that work well, you're going to deal with immigration issues because there are so many queer and trans immigrants um, being abused by the immigration system just a few miles south of you. Um, You don't actually have to say, we're going to do this and this. If you do the one thing well, it's going to force you um, to deal with the other issues. So I don't know that we have to apologize for saying, here's the thing I work on and that's part of how we build out our solidarity I think when we try to do all the things it can be really depleting really demoralizing and incredibly lonely so I think that there's a value to us connecting with other folks doing the thing we work on um, that gives us energy as well so that's kind of a thing I've been talking a lot about and it's like I said terrifying to folks to hear me say that 'Cause yeah. it feels like then I can't do all the things and I'm like, how how well are you doing all the things right now?
3: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's thank you for that.
4: <laughs> Maybe it's permission giving. I think I like to think it's empowering. I like to think that we bring more power when it's concentrated and there's a value
3: to that. Definitely. Whew. So now I'm thinking about, you know, which areas are I'm definitely someone who likes to um, I don't necessarily likes to but I feel like going from either place to place or subject to subject in terms of yeah just being aware of what's happening
4: oh yeah I think that's valuable though I mean it is to know the know all the stuff sure mm-hmm. and to be okay with the fact that I can't be the lead person on every single
3: thing is also oh, okay yeah yeah <laughs> personally you're not going to be the lead person on anything well yeah that's um, fair <laughs> just, you know just like wanting to show up as i can and it's uh yeah it's whew, i think for for some folks it's just uh it's a just recognizing and witnessing what's going on it, it's yeah. there's there's so much so.
4: so you know the other do i have time to do one other tangent because i know this has been like tangent after tangent already
3: Sorry, can you repeat that, please?
4: Is it okay if I do one more tangent?
3: Oh, you can do many more tangents. <laughs> Don't limit it to just one.
4: I feel like time. I've done a lot of tangents already, so that's great. Um, so, I, you know, it's interesting because I think um, wanting to be seen doing the right work sometimes mm. influences us. And I mention yes. that because like I said, I do a lot of racial justice work, but as far as my work in the streets, um, the work I do kind of in movement spaces and public spaces is much more around worker justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned that because I've gotten arrested with fast food workers on more than one occasion, largely because they've said, we need a clergy person to risk arrest with us because if we get taken to jail... Um, we want someone in that space with us oh, because it reduces again. the. Li- oh, sorry. Um, it, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Roman. It's so hard. I apologize. It. Can you oh, not no, hear no, me? No. At all?
3: Please don't. Please don't apologize. It's the technology. <laughs> um, you were saying that you have been arrested with fast food workers because they said they need a clergy person. Yeah. So, after that.
5: yeah.
4: So fast food workers have said if a clergy person goes to jail with us the likelihood of abuse goes down Mm. considerably and because they know we have a public outlet so i i have done that on more than one occasion when Mm -hmm. the movement for black lives really uh took off a number of my friends were in the very center of planning some of the actions that were really disruptive right Mm um and I got invited to a rally one time, and it was only once I was there that I was like, oh, the rally's a decoy for the fact that they're going in to shut down the, uh, the courthouse uh, or to disrupt activity in the courthouse. And so all of my friends are sitting in a circle in the middle of the courthouse while I'm out at this rally. And I had total feelings about it. I was like, don't they know I'm down for the cause? Don't they know that I would mm. risk a risk too? And then I was like, oh, actually – it's okay that my primary place where I do the biggest, boldest work is with workers. And they know that. And so they've said, Hey, for this one, just be a crowd builder. We've got it. Um, And so there was a little bit of me that was like, Oh, I was worried that they didn't see me as essential to the work. They didn't see me Mm. as willing to show up for them in that way. And so, I I had a moment of kind of confronting the fact that um, my mother's favorite kind of Bengali saying uh, that she and I quote to each other a lot is it is not enough to do the thing. It is being seen to do the thing that matters. Um, And I Mm. think I have internalized some of that. Right. And and when they say that, it's like, it's not enough to wash your hands. The family has to see you wash your hands for it. it to count. Otherwise, they'll make you wash your hands again in front of them. Uh, And so so I realized I had internalized some of that. Um, And so my desire to be seen, to be in solidarity with the Movement for Black Lives was getting in the way of the way I could actually be useful. Um, So I've been thinking about that a lot lately is how much of me wanting to be a part of all these things is me wanting to make sure people know I'm the kind of person who Mm -hmm. shows up for those Mm -hmm. things. Yes. So... I'm just going to keep showing up for the people who want me to show up, um, and mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll, I will, and I will uh, take my position in the back of the crowd in the other places.
3: Yeah, Cause that's important too. It's, it's quite relatable. It makes me think a lot about ego in terms of activism. Yeah. As you know, is has been often a topic of conversation and I think especially for us white folks where there's that like white savior piece that comes in and also just other I think also with folks online too where it's that the cause and people who end up making it more about themselves than about what they're fighting for. Yeah. And how to kind of detach from that. And I think also part of that's just due to what we've been taught where we haven't been taught about solidarity and communities working together. We've been talk about we've been taught about this One leader here and there. Um, I remember growing up learning about Rosa Parks and not learning about the, that the bus boycott had been ongoing and people have been doing this for a long time. So I think it very much leads people, uh, myself included, to be this, this idea that, oh, it has to be just this one person. And instead of really working with one another to do it together.
4: Yes. I think one of the reasons that William Barber is one of my heroes is because mm. anytime somebody calls him the next Dr. King, he gets yeah. really mad.
5: Yes.
4: <laughs> it's not just that he's being humble and he's like, no, no. He's like, no, that is not how movements work. Movements right. are destined to fail if you make one person the center of them. Um, yes. And so I'm really grateful for that uh, wisdom and that modeling. Um, Mm -hmm. And even so, we have a tendency to do it. So here I am being like, and that's why Dr. Barber is my hero. (laughs) 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 So yeah, it's
3: tricky. Yeah, definitely. Uh, There's uh, there's so much good... Hello? Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay, okay sound effect in the background uh, (laughs) fun with technology yeah there's so much there's so much here to, to discuss certainly and I think also just with organizing via social media now and then what's safe and what's not safe with surveillance yeah and in some ways I think perhaps I'm taking this conversation in a different direction but when I've heard or read about organizing like, in the 60s and 70s, with, oh, people were just making photocopies, and there wasn't so much surveillance, and <laughs> people didn't have cell phones, and so in some ways it was easier to get away with it. Not to say get away, but, like, easier to organize. I mean, there was surveillance then, but, like, not to the extent that are, there is now, where, uh, you know, our phones could be listening to us, uh-huh. and there's cameras out on every street corner.
4: hmm uh-huh. So, yeah, I think that's yeah, I, think- I think that's true, and... um. Yeah, it's fascinating. I've been watching some of the conflicts that are playing themselves out within the modern day civil rights movement uh, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. people are dragging each other and people are defending yeah. each other. And somebody recently, somebody who had lived through the 70s, through the Black Power movement, was like, y'all, this is just an old school COINTEL pro strategy. Yeah, um, to get around fighting against each, other, each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's been really interesting to kind of watch people say, I am a hundred percent sure that this has been, this conflict has been generated, um, Mm. to, to diminish the power of the movement. Um, so I do think that it was possible to dip your toe in and back out, um, In the 60s and 70s and be a little bit less visible um Mm -hmm. i think it is still very possible today to do that um, because i think we still get to choose the level of engagement and uh that we yeah we get to choose the level of engagement and the level of risk in most of the actions we participate in Mm -hmm. so and it's interesting because I I was trained in faith-rooted organizing by Alexia Salvatierra, and she always makes us talk about democracy, and she's like, you can say what you want about all of the ways that democracy doesn't work in this country. She's Mm -hmm. like, y'all, I used to organize in the Philippines. Mm. You don't know what not-democracy looks like. Mm. Um, And so there's a certain element of, if you are risk-averse, there are still places in the street for you. Um, because there are actions that, um, that run a low risk of being surveilled in those ways. So I kind of yes. feel like there's still plenty of spaces for l- risk-intolerant folks to participate if they want to. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I also think that there are horrific things happening to people that don't need to because of the police state, right? Like Seattle's of a great course. example of that um or what's happening in Minneapolis right now is a great yeah, example yes. of that. So and
5: what two was things happened in truly. Portland last summer.
4: Yep. Oh, I said Seattle and I meant Portland. I'm Oh yeah, Se-
5: yeah. Stuff uh, happened Seattle in Seattle too, too. yep.
4: But I mean, Portland it. was ongoing for m- yeah. like a month at least more than a month. Um so yeah, and what's happening in Minneapolis now also. You know, it's interesting cuz I'm really grateful to some of our movement elders for making sure that we pay attention to global solidarity even mm. when we're doing very local work <laughs> and i've got a student in one of the classes i teach who's from burma and mm. it's caused me to pay a lot more attention to the news going on in burma right now some yes. that some people would call it myanmar the people i know who are activists call it burma because mm-hmm. um the history of it as long as it's been called myanmar has been wrapped up in um Police state violence. Um, although both names are okay, I think, depending on who you're talking with. Um, but what's going on there, day after day, fam- whole families are showing up in the streets. I mean, mm. the they. I think I have seen that over half of the country is engaging in rebel uh, in protest actions against the uh, the military uh, coup. <laughs> That's mind-blowing to me. And the yeah. things that are happening are horrific. They are yeah. targeting children. They are blowing up families. Mm-hmm. The things that the military is doing are very, very reckless, and they those actions are meant to convey we will be indiscriminate in our mm-hmm. punishment of your resistance. Mm-hmm. And even so, millions of people are engaged in public acts of resistance. Um, and I think it's really important for us to be paying attention to what it means to fight for democracy. And particularly in yes. light of the fact that, um, for those of us who have paid any attention, Ansung San Suu Kyi was a huge heroine of a lot of ours when she was imprisoned. And then once she became prime minister, president, I can't remember which, um, she started collaborating with the military and doing harm to uh minoritized groups in that and country i'm sorry i'm sorry Sun-Ki, uh the who was a resistant uh, a resistance movement leader in burma uh mm. and she wasn't allowed to go and get the nobel prize because she was imprisoned um mm. and then she became the leader of the country and everybody was so excited Um, Mm -hmm. And then she ended up letting the horrific violence against Muslims that has happened in Burma Mm -hmm. over the past uh, five years, she, she permitted it to happen. And I think we were all Mm -hmm. shocked. And so she is a very imperfect leader. And during this political, uh, during this coup, she was imprisoned again, and people are marching to demand her freedom. And mm. to me, that's actually a really important for us f- thing for us to sit with as movement folks, because right now within U.S.-based radical leftist movements, there's a lot of I call it um, purity politics.
3: Mm. There's a lot of yeah. only
4: wanting the perfect leader, Which and none an- of us is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so to watch Burmese people risking their lives and their families' lives to demand the dignity of a woman that they know has has participated in some horrific stuff is important Mm -hmm. um it's important for us to pay attention to so i'm learning a lot as i'm paying attention to some of our movement siblings around the country i know last year everybody was talking about um how we needed to learn to be water um in the same Mm -hmm. way that our Uh, movement colleagues in Hong Kong were doing. I think we have some things to learn from our our, uh, Burmese family as we do movement work now.
3: Indeed. Thank you for bringing that up.
4: Yeah. It's not something that's on a lot of Americans' radars. I think it's my proximity to, I mean, West Bengal, the region of India that my father's from, is not Mm -hmm. that far from Burma, and so it's just a little more on my radar than a lot of folks in this country probably.
3: Yeah, and I mean all the more reason to continue talking with one another because it's yeah. also just important to get accurate information like I've really didn't have a full sense of what was happening right. and it's just of course it's so just to get like first hand uh, experience um, yeah. from that is just yeah. the, is the best option
4: yeah I totally agree totally agree <sighs> Yeah, we need to share these stories with each other.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. I'm thinking also just about how, you know, growing up in this country is just how the history was so very much focused History, if you would call it that, I guess I, I should say rewritten history, focused on the United States, and very little beyond that was maybe Europe. So just how whitewashed history became from, a, from yeah. a very young age as children, like what we learn about, and then even with the news media and like what they talk about and the points of view that they have. So I think all just because they want to maintain power. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we have some opportunities to tell a different story. This will be, I recognize that this might be controversial with your audience and I want to be really clear that what I'm about to say is not a reflection on your beliefs or the beliefs of the show. Um, I also think we get taught a history of war in order to cause us to not learn how nonviolent resistance has actually achieved a great deal Mm-hmm. Um, on behalf of so many people, um, and so I I know that's controversial. I get a lot of flack for it in a lot of the movement spaces. I get because I think a lot of my colleagues think that my commitment to nonviolence is really naive. Um, and I would make the argument that it's a moral, not the moral, but it's a moral stance. But it's also um, it's also a stance born of data that actually. Mm-hmm more long lasting political change at national levels has been achieved through nonviolent resistance over the past hundred years than through violent resistance. Um, That's true in Europe, it's true in South America, it's true in Central America, it's true in North America, it's true true, uh, across uh, Africa. The one place it's not completely true of is Asia. But the interesting thing about Asian data is that neither violent nor nonviolent resistance yields a significant amount of sustainable uh, nationwide political change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why that is, because that's not my area of expertise. But mm-hmm. um, but I mention that because I think we also get... a an, we also get a militarized history that teaches us um that military resistance is the way things are changed which mm. also makes us feel smaller and less effective because yeah they will always have bigger better guns than we do they yeah. will always be able to wipe us out if they want right. to right um and so i think that part of the way we get taught history is also a militarized history mm-hmm. that causes us to be unaware of how powerful our nonviolent resistance movements can be and have been.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Like I said, not a popular opinion in my circles these days, because they're like, "You just want to take away our guns so we can't fight them," and I'm like, "Uh, eh, I just don't think you're ever going to win with the guns." Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, not a popular opinion. Um, so, I wanted to put in that disclaimer because it makes me a bad anarchist to feel that oh. way. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, there's always new ways to be. I find a bad anarchist. Every day <laughs> I find a new one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, but again, it's like not like a purity. I mean, I, that should be the right. opposite of it, right? Right. Like there are so many different ways and like different yes. experiences. And also, every single person experiences the world in a different way. And we all have different, like, it's just different circumstances and like how we were treated by the state like it's oh yeah it it only makes sense that we would have varying uh ideas and not even ideas because I mean this is like actual information that you're sharing but like perspectives on what works and what's best for you and it's I feel like it's just it's going to be as always just a diversity of tactics that will that will win and Absolutely. yeah i totally i totally uh agree with that and also just with the militarization that's something i harp on a lot it's just not just the fucking military budget which this stupid ass administration is like yeah also plenty of you know can't raise the minimum wage can't yet like <laughs> abolish student debt um can't ensure nope. everyone has housing or food or health care right. but you know the pentagon's getting more money meanwhile the U.S. military is the biggest polluter in the world and also causes atrocities yeah. around the world. Yep. Oh, my point what was my point. Not just the actor, budget, but militarism the, in general. Mm-hmm. Yes, and like, the, the, how police have become so militarized over the years, and also with like Hollywood and movies. And I love movies. I I, yeah. I love movies. I'm an actor, and, like, yeah. it's so disturbing that, like, so many of the, you know, films have started uh coming back into production again and it still is very much like it's another cop show it's another war movie yep. and it's like it's how the military industrial complex is also just pushed right into our bedrooms or wherever we have a tv or a phone in terms of enter- quote-unquote entertainment and even as actors it's like oh great i and i personally refuse to audition as a role of a cop i don't think i'd be a believable cop anyway but <laughs> It's just like, wow, oh, why aren't they... Where's the big hippie movie or something? Right? Yeah. It's like, it's like there's so many war mo- cops and, and soldiers, and uh, it's just... It feel It's just every aspect of our lives, I feel, is just uh, indoctrinated by this war propaganda.
4: Absolutely. Which reminds me... I think... I know I've already told you this story, but um, I was in Chicago for... Uh, doing a training when uh sorry to bother you came out and so i reached out to one of my besties who's an anti-racism trainer with me and i was like yvonne do you want to go see this movie because i really want to see it the weekend it opens so we found a place that was showing on south side of chicago and we went to it and after the movie she was like I didn't know you talk through movies. I was like, not all movies, just this movie. Because like, as soon as you came on screen, I was like, I know that person. That's my friend. Roman's in this movie. Did you know? I know Roman. And, and Yvonne's like, I'm trying to watch the movie. I was like, I know, but I want to make sure you see them.
3: Oh, <laughs> thank you. I feel so um, grateful to have been in a film that was directed <sighs> by an out-communist. Like, yes. It's like I mean, it's I'm grateful to get work anyway, but then to be um, in a movie that was so creative, so question the status quo, yes. and have ardent leftist messaging, I feel like it was yes. so rare and such a beautiful opportunity. And also that it was filmed in Oakland, I feel oh my just gosh, so I'm grateful totally to, to have had that opportunity.
4: What was particularly joy bringing to me was when he gets into his dream apartment. It is mm-hmm. the apartment I had always fantasized about living in. It's the it's the same building, like it's kind of yes. I, I call it Oakland's Flatiron Building. Uh, yes. And I was like, oh, look at him! He's living the life I always dreamed of. You know, <laughs> it was really fun. I got and then he's you know he's going out for drinks at the bar that I used to hang out at, and it's all just glorious. Yeah.
5: Yes. Yes.
4: As well oh. as it being such a prophetic film, it was just so on point. It was great. Indeed. And, as, Indeed. and had a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, but I was super excited that you were a part of it. I was like, it all makes sense. That's the perfect casting.
3: I, oh, yeah. I loved it. It was like, yeah, that protest scene. Yes. Oh, that was great. It, and, and so, oftentimes on films, they you can't wear any buttons or any shorts with right. logos or anything. And I, right. you don't see it in the film, but I had like a messenger bag that had like a trans liberation now button. Oh and it was totally God. fine for me just to have, but even though it wasn't on screen at all, it was still just felt more, I guess, humanizing just yeah. to be um, able to be more myself, I guess, yes. rather than stripped down of any individuality.
4: Yes, absolutely. Were you in, do I remember that you were in the scene where Kamau was there as well or am I making that up
3: I don't believe I was there okay. for that scene I was in one of the, some... Some of the office scenes and then the protest scenes
4: yes 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 yes
3: outside.
4: yeah I couldn't remember if you were in, uh, in the mix during that scene or not but uh, anyhow it had a lot of cameos that wouldn't have maybe been exciting for anyone except people from the Bay Area but they were pretty great cameos Oh yeah,
3: for sure. Well, hopefully there'll be there'll be more soon. Absolutely. From Boots Riley. I yeah. hope so.
4: It ended on a cliffhanger. I'm waiting for the sequel.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Army Hammer. Speaking of uh, some kind of on point casting there. <laughs> oh yeah. <sighs> Anyway, I just (laughs) thought of that recently I was like, oh yeah, there he is playing a villain, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
5: wow.
3: Uh,
4: Just out of curiosity, are there other films that you've been really proud to be connected with?
3: Nope. (laughs) 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 That's me being, um, I don't know, maybe snarky. Um, I mean, I've I've been always grateful to get work. It's so, you know, it's competitive and there's not as many productions up here as there are sure uh, like in LA or New York certainly and then especially as background it's very and then even for me like as a you know someone who's on the mask masculine end of the spectrum and and white like I have more options I think for roles than other folks do Mm -hmm. so even with that it's um it's still just very limited in terms of getting cast in anything so um but like as far as like Nothing to the level of sorry to bother you that I feel like I was so proud of to be yeah. affiliated with or something I was so excited about. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, maybe, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm thinking right now and it's nothing that, like, there's that show called Chance on Hulu with Hugh Laurie.
4: Oh, Nate!
3: Um, Did you get to meet Hugh Laurie? Here. Um, I was in a. Scene where I was like behind him at a book stand and actually there's a photo of it still that ended up being in Entertainment Weekly so it looked like oh I had a friend found. So it looked like I was like doing like a lot in the show but I was really just in the background trying to organize leftist books to be shown on camera. <laughs> and yes. you know we're always instructed especially as, as background not to like talk to the stars or not right. to because uh, you might be fired and so there's that right. part of me that's also like eh. and that was also a number of years ago so I was like tempted to talk to him but I didn't say anything so I was just kind of looking through books and he was looking through books and that was that (laughs) Um, and there was this other show which I think didn't they were filming a pilot for it which was about this cop who a dead cop who unfortunately comes back to life and he uh, didn't they ended up not filming it but like the first day I was like like like, I was photographing a cadaver on the beach as one does and um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the second day they were filming in Oakland and it was just like, the second day was just kind of rough and things didn't go so well and as far as I know they haven't made it. It was with Ryan Phillippe so anyway that was something where I was like, oh I don't really want to be a part of uh, another, you know, propaganda type program. Right. Um, and
4: it is a popular genre.
3: It is. It really is. It's like, oh, I have another friend who's on Law & Order SVU. That seems to be, especially for New York actors, a very popular... Yep. And I, I get it. Like, work is work.
4: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, no shade. That's that's the gigs that are going. Yep.
3: Yep.
5: <sighs>
4: Although I could actually see you getting a role as a cop. Have you seen, Um, gosh, what's the name of that guy? Welsh Actor. Um, who plays...
3: Christian Bale? Nope. Um, my Welsh knowledge is, uh, uh... I didn't
4: know Christian Bale was Welsh! There you go! Um,
3: so. I'm pretty sure I hope I don't get any hate mail from, like, Christian Bale fans.
4: Like, <laughs> Welsh!
3: I'm pretty sure he was at least born there, though.
4: <laughs> no, the guy I I'm honestly don't get any was, mail. He plays a cop in Bridesmaids.
3: Oh! Oh, that guy! I think he's Irish. Um... Are you that sure? On the IT crowd, Chris O'Dowd? Yeah, he was in the
4: IT crowd. Oh, that name is pretty Irish. I was sure he was Welsh. I mean, he's in this brilliant Welsh show called Moon Boy. Um, I, I just always assumed he was Welsh. Anyhow, don't yeah. So maybe I'll get the hate mail. Um oh, so- and
3: I was wrong here. Christian Bale was uh, born in the well, it says the UK, English, not Welsh. So hey, My I was mistake. born in
4: England. That doesn't mean I was English. Yeah, um, oh wait, he
3: was born in Wales. There
4: you go, you win.
3: Wales, Christian Bale. Okay. Woo. Street <laughs> cred. You also have to worry about your uh, pop culture knowledge, street, street cred.
4: Seriously, seriously. So, so for the record, I feel like if uh, Chris O'Dowd could pull off a cop, so could you.
3: Yeah, I would. Um. Okay, thank you accept a compliment. Like, <laughs> yes. But wouldn't it I'm be great so, if like, you got to
4: play a cop who was who became radicalized and Yeah. like in a good like, way. Sorry, not the other kind of radicalized.
3: There's a lot oh, of those sure, cops. Sure. I mean, they're already they already are, I feel for the most part radicalized. Yeah, I so, know, that's why I wanted to
4: clarify. A cop who gets radicalized towards true. the good.
5: <laughs>
3: yeah. Like a Serpico type of thing, like turning in the 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 other cops yes! who are causing harm. Yes. Well, Taking down if that should happen, I would encourage all the cops to listen to this show to, like, <laughs> go out and speak out against your, yes. your brethren who are causing great harm.
4: Amen. Because when what, – what's the saying now? Um, if there are 99 good cops and one bad apple and the 99 yeah. cops keep their mouths quiet, then there's actually 100 bad cops. Yes, so we need you bad. to be the good cops you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of all of the police officers who are listening to the show right now should do that. <laughs> Huge amount
5: <cops. laughs> <laughs> I hear I hear it's actually
3: the most downloaded show among police officers <laughs> They just love like all of the uh, the rhetoric I share about them and the anti police songs that I play. Oh my gosh! I love it. I love it. <laughs> they all have our kinks, I guess. <laughs>
4: That would 100% be a fascinating fetish.
3: I'm, I mean, mean need to be, like, taken down a notch or two by some podcaster with a few thousand followers. Uh, yes. <laughs> doesn't have any sponsorship. <laughs> oh, that's
4: beautiful. That's beautiful.
3: It's really good to talk with you.
4: Likewise, Roman. I'm so glad we I'm, got to connect.
3: Yeah, I'm so glad you reached out. It's it's that thing I know a lot of folks, and I mean, I'm definitely more of an introvert in general, but then this past year, it's been yeah. particularly difficult, I think, just to, to sometimes to reach out to people, and then I'm not on Facebook much, and that's where I think I was able to connect right. with folks. Right, right. So I do feel like I miss out on... Overall, it's been beneficial for my mental oh, health, Yeah. Facebook has definitely... I've had a lot of difficult times on there, but at the same time, I do miss out on seeing what people are up to.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm really glad we connected. And it was surely because I was like, hey, I wonder if you'd like to come to my show. Uh, Definitely.
3: (laughs) So it was super kind of you to create this
4: space. I'm really grateful. Yeah,
3: Yeah, it's so good talking with you. And I remember you were a guest many years ago. Back when Uh, we were co-hosting the show together. That's right. so it's really nice just to visit again with folks. That was super fun. It was
4: super fun to get to do it lo- like in the studio. That was yes. really lovely.
3: Yeah, and hopefully you know, within a few months, once it feels safer to do so, I hope to have folks in again.
4: Yay. Oh, that's great. I'm so grateful you do this, Roman. Oh, thank you. I'm grateful for what you do. Thanks. I'm still figuring out what I'm doing these days, but
3: I appreciate it. You are... <laughs> you're I mean you're sharing so much like really valuable information with folks and working with people on really at times can be like really difficult subjects and to have someone who is as knowledgeable and present about this is just so like it can be it's so healing and also with the books that you're writing uh will inspire I'm sure many many people I really appreciate that move forward with doing what's right in the world. And it, sometimes it feels like there's the world is against us and then uh-huh. you know, have a conversation like this. And it's like, oh, there are so many people who are yeah. doing really incredible work and just are, not even just the work itself, but just who you are as a person, um, making uh-huh. the world a more equitable place.
4: Thanks so much, friend. Yeah.
3: Huh. Well, well, we'll post a link to the... Uh, uh, to the, to the upcoming show.
4: Oh, yay, thank you.
3: Yeah.
4: I'm super excited about it, and I really do still hope that you can come.
3: Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. I remember yeah. I went, I think I went the last month, at the, it was at the Hormel Center.
4: Yeah.
3: I'm looking forward to, to watching this, and then hopefully next year it'll be in person once again.
4: I hope so, too. Yeah, oh, I'm well, ready. Baby. I'm I'm ready to be fully vaccinated. I'm ready to be at full immunity. I've been dating someone for four months, and we haven't gotten to hold hands yet. Oh. Oh. So I'm ready. I'm ready for this
3: all to be over. (laughs) Indeed. I hope you get vaccinated soon and can hold hands even sooner.
4: Yes, I really appreciate that.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much, Shonda. This has been really lovely.
4: I've really had tons of fun, Roman. I really appreciate it.
3: Alright, I'm going to turn
4: my camera on to see if even if we get a little glitchy, at least I can say goodbye.
5: Yeah, really good to see you. You too.
4: Love you. Sending you hops across
3: the bay. Yay! I can feel them. I wish you could send
4: me digital burritos from your neighborhood.
3: That's really what Um, I'd like. (laughs) Okay, let me work on that. Let me add that to the list. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, friend. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, take care.
4: You
3: too. Bye. Bye. All right. Big thanks to Shonda Jaff for that wonderful conversation. And on our website at weeklyrev.org, we have a post that will be going up very shortly that has links to Shonda's website, as well as the many books that she has written. And also a link to the invite for Show Us Your Spines, which is a queer and trans BIPOC artist residency presentation, which is happening April 22nd from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. You can find that at twitch.tv forward slash studsf. And if you would uh, please go to uh, Shonda's website, it is s-a-n-d-h-a, excuse me, s-a-n-d-h-y-a-j-h-a.com. And again, that's s a n d dot com, and we also have a link on will be up on our website weekly so you can find much more information all right we're gonna take a bit of an extended music break here and then get back into a few new stories and action items that folks can take um, in regards to pushing back against some of the awful anti-trans bills that have been making their way around the country and also just sharing a bit of information about what's been happening at in Brooklyn Center so, uh, yeah, I'm excited music break, and then we'll be back in a bit. So please do stay tuned. And
6: when all my through, she not seem to she why don't i come to a flat and have some supper and let the evening pass five by taking records besides a groovy high five i say yeah yeah that's what i say i said yeah yeah my baby loves me she gets me feeling so fine she loves me she makes me know that she's mine when she kisses i feel the fire get hot she never misses she gives it all that she's got and when she asks me if hey, the thing is okay i got my answer The only thing I can say, I say, yeah, yeah. That's what I say, I say, yeah, yeah. We'll play a melody and turn the lights down, all so to knock and see. We got to do that, we got to do that. We got to do that, we got to do that. And there'll be no one else alive in all the world except you and me. I never need you to thrill. It's hard to tell you because I'm trembling so, but pretty baby, I want you off for my own. I'm ready to leave those others alone. No need to ask me if everything is okay. I got my answer. The only thing I can say, I say yeah yeah. That's what I say. I say yeah yeah. That's what I say.
7: Yeah yeah.
6: And turn the lights down more so the I can see. We gotta pay that, we gotta pay that, yeah, yeah. We gotta pay that, we gotta pay that. And there'll be no one else alive in all the world, except you and me. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty baby, i never knew to just feel a shot of tell you. Because I'm trembling still But pretty baby, I want you off on of my own, I think I'm ready. To those others alone No need to ask me If everything is okay I got my answer The only thing I can say, say I say yeah yeah That's what I say I say yeah yeah That's what I say I say yeah yeah That's what I say I say yeah yeah Tons and money.
2: I'm down on my luck Well, I'm down on my luck
6: I'm hiding in Honduras I'm a desperate man Send lawyers, guns and money
2: This shit has hit the fan and money.
3: thanks so much we are back played a few songs here we heard yeah yeah by georgie fame and the blue flames in undertow by all Vase. lawyers guns and money by warren Zevon, and that was track x by black country new road and got a little bit more information here for you before we wrap up the show today thanks so again so much for tuning in please go to weeklyrev.org we've got archives of previous shows up there, as well as links to articles that we've shared on the program, and links to the playlist of the music, because have been playing music on the show every, every week, and it's uh, important to remember the beauty that's out there in the world still. I'm going to go over some information. There have been numerous protests against police uh, that have been happening, constantly happening, uh, but in particular within the last week, Last night, there was a weekly Stonewall protest in New York City where people marched for Dominique Lucius and Dante Wright, and they shut down the Holland Tunnel for over two hours. NYPD and Port Authority cops arrived in big numbers and considered multiple forms of repression, but eventually decided to just back down, and there's some video footage on Twitter. And I share a lot of these uh, articles here on, and uh, pieces of information on Twitter, so you can follow me there, at R O M A N R I M A R. And also in Brooklyn Center, folks have been protesting ...for nights, and the police have become more and more militarized. They've been shooting tear gas, which has been banned, but they do it anyway. They've been arresting people who come out of their homes in their bathrobes, being like, what the fuck's going on here? And rightfully so. And all of this just because uh, the police need to... uh, They refuse to acknowledge that they are killing people and are wrong. And then in Chicago, a 13-year-old, Adam Toledo, was killed recently and part of that was covered up and it's just it's there's no it's just fucking disgusting I can't say anything about this that hasn't already been said other than that the police should be abolished and yeah gonna put that right there and as far as um I see I'm reading an infographic here and and Uh, It says uh, U.S. state and local governments collectively spend more on policing than most countries do on their militaries. So here, is that fucking trillion? Is that really? Oh, it's billion. U.S. is at $731 billion over that. $751,400,000. And then for the U.S. police, it's... uh, 118 billion dollars that the u.s spends on police per year now think about how much those funds could be to as things that we've mentioned here before on the show provide people housing healthcare, food clean drinking water education art how about funding the fucking arts how about that that would be pretty nice so uh again it feels like things are pretty fucking backwards that, that all the funds so many of the funds are going to militarization which causes great harm and suffering. So Ooh. Gonna <sighs> take a deep breath and um, it's we've got another 12-ish minutes here before we sign off so I did want to get to and again it's similar to what we were talking about in the conversation. there's so much to get to and also everything is connected. Uh, especially with uh, state violence. So I did want to get to speaking about ways that folks can push back against the anti-trans legislation that's been uh, occurring very rapidly in over 30 states in the country. And this is a discussion thread on Reddit, and I'll post a link on our website, weeklyrev.org. Also, if you appreciate the show and want to um, help support us, we have a Patreon that's up. Uh, If you go to weeklyrev.org, there's a link to the Patreon, or you go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev, a dollar a month or more, would be greatly appreciated. So this is a thread, what you can do to help stop the anti-LGBTQ backlash. Many of you, especially the trans people, are asking, what can I do? The answer is plenty. Wherever you are, you can help. Here is a plan. Step one, awareness. Most people think this is about sports or saving children from irreversible surgery, but what these laws really do is far worse than than what most people fear. The trans, sports bans and bathroom bills open up all women, cis and trans, to invasive, on-demand checks of their genitals, blood, or birth certificate. How else can you prove that uh, the woman is trying to get on the team or into the quote-unquote wrong bathroom isn't trans? Well, how else can you prove, okay. The religious bills open up all LGBTQ to having their healthcare denied at every step of delivery. Sorry, my pastor says gay marriage is a sin, so I won't fill your prescriptions. This church-supported hospital system does not perform surgeries for lesbians. There are huge swaths of this country only served by religious hospitals, and these bills threaten to force LGBTQ to either move to another area or just accept that they might not have access to medicine even if they can pay for it themselves. Also, most of these trans most of the trans healthcare bans criminalize support for trans children as felony child abuse. Doctors who followed their Hippocratic Oath would lose their license. Parents who supported their children would have them taken away from them and thrown into foster care. These bills threatened to break up loving families. In any other circumstances, we would call this a war crime. So, tell people what these laws really mean. Send them this letter, and they have a link, uh, from 1,500 parents describing the ordeal their families are going through it to every parent of a trans, non-binary or gender expansive child you know to sign also. Show them this map and they have a link so they can see how widespread this attack is or the simplified version for just the healthcare bans. What if they really what if they want to discuss the science? Well, if they really want to get into the details, here are some references. If they want to dig into the medical side, here's an interesting video from Dr. Powers. If they want a broader audience, this short documentary from Real Stories is fantastic. And they have links to all of these things that I'm mentioning that will be available on our website. Okay, so the laws are awful and widespread and completely against the real science for trans people. What's next? Step two, show your support. Join the Count Me In campaign from the Human Rights Campaign. Get banners for your social media, get your free sticker, sign the pledge, add your name to the list, going to your going to your own state legislators this stuff is free and quick if you have a little money then buy a shirt or mask and pay for books for a library if you have more um, money they say you can donate to the ncte legal am uh, lambda legal aclu the hrc um, i'm also just going to put in uh, trans lifeline because that is a really important organization that is run by trans folks for trans folks. That's a number, a hotline number that folks can call. And they also I f- offer micro grants, so Trans Lifeline as well. Step three, employees. The workplace is where many of us spend most of our, our time, even if that work for now is from home due to COVID. And employers are required by law to provide safe workplaces for everyone, regardless of sex, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, and many other factors. Most employers find this not only morally right, but good business. It turns out that employees who feel comfortable being themselves are also more productive and creative and improve the bottom line. But as employees, we are generally very limited in discussing politics or charity at work by our codes of conduct, which say that politics can only be handled by the corporate office and soliciting for charity doesn't happen on work time or equipment. So what can you do? Plenty. Before you start down this list, see if your company has a pride or LGBTQ employee network. Give this list to them, as they are the appropriate means of getting LGBTQ issues in front of the company's leadership. If you don't have a group, try at the HR department, or legal, hell, try both. 1. Establish that this is not about politics or charity. This is truly a national-scale human rights crisis. They are talking about breaking up families and examining women's genitals, for Christ's sakes. People are seriously leaving their home states in search of safety for their families. The effects of these laws will touch every family with LGBTQ in the country. Two, this is widespread and urgent. You have a duty to your employer to notify them of this issue since it will impact their customers, their suppliers, and them. Send them this letter, currently signed by 70 major companies, that clearly spells out how these laws will harm their employees, their competitiveness, and the economy. Hurting LGBTQ is bad for business. Three, if your employer can sign the letter, point out some of the names on it. Oh, wow, there's a lot of big companies that I, wow. IBM, Intel, Microsoft, AT&T, Verizon, Wells Fargo, Dow, Bayer, uh, Union Pacific, American Airlines, Pfizer. These aren't socially activist companies. And I would say, as a matter of fact, they're almost anti-socially activist. But anyway, I'm glad they've signed it at least. Uh, Most of these are presented as the villain when they come up. Oh, here we go. This is just sharing what I know. Okay, uh, most of these are presented as the villain when they come up in the "quote unquote" liberal news. Eight of these, eight of the 30 Dow Jones Industrial Average companies are here. This is about business. It turns out that disrupting the lives of up to five percent of a state's workforce might not be the best environment for making money. Four, if your employer is really nervous, point out that the letter does not call for action against any specific person, government, or political party, nor is it a fundraiser, nor is it asking for social change. It's actually conservatively asking for no change. Under most corporate codes of conduct, this specific letter fits within the bounds and can be talked about internally. So let's say you've done all this and your employer said no. They won't sign the letter. Even without the letter, there is a lot they can do to help send them this list below. Step four, employers. Hello business owner, you're in a hard place. You have employees and or dependents who are being targeted and can't work for you at the productivity level you need them to, but you also aren't in a position to stick your neck out. Here are some things you can do without broadcasting to the world that will make a real difference for your people. If you have an employee assistance program, the one with the professional counselors and therapists, make sure it will support anyone who calls into it even after COVID is finished. Tell your health insurance providers that they will lose you as a customer if they deny service to your employees based on religious objection. Your people will need lawyers to defend themselves if they are targeted. If you aren't on it already, get on the MetLife, formerly known as Hyatt, legal plan. Cover the premium for your employees. If a vulnerable employee can telecommute for you, let them do that. You've probably already been doing that because of COVID, right? Give them the freedom to move to safety so that they don't have to resign in order to protect their family. If you have sites in the states that offer comprehensive legal protection for LGBTQ, namely California, Connecticut, DC, Delaware, Iowa, Illinois, Massachusetts, uh, Maryland, Maine, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, Nevada, New York, OC. Oh, what's that? Um, maybe they mean. I don't think they mean Oklahoma. I'm gonna skip that one. Oregon, Rhode Island, Virginia, v, uh, Vermont, Washington. Then preferably invest in those states and offer transfers to vulnerable employers, employees in in those states. I gotta find out what OC is. Excuse me. I know they don't mean Orange County because that's not a state and also pretty conservative. And I'd be shocked if they meant like it was like okay for Oklahoma, but I'm not sure what state OC is supposed to be. Hmm. And this is in alphabetical order. This is a mystery. Um, well, we will find out. And this is what my wandering mind has done. Is that now I've lost the uh, the page? Okay, here we go. Let's go back to this. Um, if you don't have it already, maybe they mean Ohio maybe okay if you don't have it already get some lgbtq training videos into your system here's a great list of ready-made videos available off open sesame if you need something a bit more polished looking than youtube make this training mandatory Fully commit to being an inclusive workplace, even in areas that are not accepting. If you can't put a Pride flag outside in June, then have a banner in the cafeteria and hallways. Tell employees they can wear their Converse Pride sneakers anytime. Pay for a van and lunch and take some people to the next Pride parade. Show your people that, even if you cannot publicly be branded a LGBTQ-friendly workspace, that you do care for them and will support them in this time of need. If you've got a right-wing AM radio or Fox News running in your break rooms, for God's sake, turn off that shit. Don't give the people who hate your employees a foothold in your workplace. If you don't have a pride LGBTQ group, start one. You have tremendous power to help your people. If you help them now, they will remember and fight for you, too. And this author's message to the haters. If you have, you have the state houses, you have unlimited money, and you have unlimited hate fueling your rage. But guess what? You are going to lose. We are here and not backing down. Those of us in safe places will make room to shelter those who must, for now, flee from you. Some of us will, f- will f- fall and you will rejoice. But your victories, as daunting as they are right now, will not last. We are a family, a cantankerous, uh, raucous rabble of every color and every culture and every career. We argue, we fight, and we are very hard to herd in a common direction. But in the end, we have each other. More than that, we have ourselves, our lives, our histories, figuring out who we really are, and the absolute certainty that nothing less than our true selves will do. Our true selves, that will be enough to beat you. We survived the police crackdowns. We survived AIDS. We defeated Don't Ask, Don't Tell. We got marriage equality. However long it takes, we will win this one, too. The day will come when you will look around and everyone you know has a trans friend, knows a gay friend, has a non-binary child. And your friends will tell you that LGBTQ are just normal, regular people. And why would anyone be so small that it would feel good to hurt them? And why would anyone be so small that it would feel good to hurt them? Live and let live. That's what your friends will say. And one day you will agree with them and all of us, even you, will win. That's optimistic. And I appreciate this list. Um, so yeah, um, I've shared this on Twitter, and it's easy. I'm just speaking for my own myself, It's so easy when I'm reading these bills, especially in Florida. They're just—I mean—just fucking heinous, heinous bills that are really just like they're condoning child abuse, and all under the guise of protecting people, which is just so absurd and bizarre and disgusting. And so it's easy for me when I read these, um, some of the bills that are coming out and people actually voting for them to feel frightened and scared and uh, just worried um, for trans youth. I mean, I already was feeling uh, worried for folks and also trans adults. And doesn't matter where you live, people shouldn't have to move where they're at in order to feel safe. It doesn't. It's not like oh well, come to this place and therefore you'll be safe. No. And even in these blue cities and blue states, there is homophobia and transphobia and racism and classism, and that doesn't necessarily go away because you're in a place that's maybe less harmful. So I do appreciate the reminder that yes, we will win, and also not everyone has survived these uh, previous pandemics um, in terms of like the HIV/AIDS virus. So um, yes, um, just trying to. It's it's difficult to talk about. It's fucking terrifying to be honest, and how many people are targeted based on their bodies in this country, and not to dim, not to diminish. It's just it's more maybe how people are attacked based on what other people think of them, without even getting to know them, and it's it's so disturbing. And I feel like the misinformation is a huge part of that. Okay, well, now it's time to wrap up the show. And uh, I was hoping to end on a more positive note. But again, we're talking about really serious things that are, uh, it's a lot. So I don't want to, like, force a, a joke in where it's not pre- present. So I'm going to play some more music uh, till the end of the program. And music can certainly say a lot more than I can. So here we go. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we'll be back next week.
8: Change the world as we change ourselves Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the health All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt Full house on my hands, the cause I was dealt three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do will say today that's worthwhile. With are for your sure action and your first child. I begin my first now.
5: Sometimes I speak and I feel like it ain't my words. Like I'm just a vessel channeling inside this universe.
8: I feel my ancestors arrested inside of me. It's like they want me to shoot my chance and change the society. But how do I go about it? Tell me where I start. My destiny rerouted when I chose to follow heart. You told to follow suit, but tell me what to do for you. Except where you down, now you Trapped this the cubicle
5: they built for us. The first step in the change is to take notice. Realize the real gains that
8: they try to show us. 300 plus years of them cold shoulders. Your 300 million of us still got no focus. Sorry, America, but I would not be your soldier. Obama just wasn't enough, I need some more closure. And Donald Trump is not equipped to take this country over. Let's face facts, cuz we know what's the real motives. In the land of the free is for the free loaders. Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized, my people made this all loners. Still got the last names of our slave owners. In the land of the free is for the free loaders. Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized, my people made this all loners. Yeah can't change the world as we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the help. All eyes be my witness when I speak with felt. Full house on my hands, the cars I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula, And everything I do is sink today, that's worthwhile. With are show inspired action. Yeah, uh. Triggery in the system, put my niggas in prison, all our history hidden, ain't no liberty given We all fit the description of what the documents written, we have been lacking the vision and barely making a living, we too worried to fit in, while they been benefiting, every time you submit it, we all good to your minute, the low won't get you acquitted, but you still have for forgiveness for opiates and syringes, then inject it's religion, now many times I gotta tell you I'm a man in the mission, many times I gotta tell you I don't need no permission, a human with supervision, ain't no living condition, I'm reaching out to my children, just hoping that they will listen. Start a new coalition against corrupt politicians. It's not enough out the to Too many murder convictions. Nothing family convicted. Nothing black man the victim. That's as many as it's getting. You should take recognition. And the land of the free is for the free lotus. Leave it dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized my people, made the sword loners. Still got the last names of our slave owners. And the land of the free is for the free lotus. Leave it dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized my people, made the sword loners. Yeah. We can't change the world as we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the help. All eyes, be my witness when I speak with felt. Full house on my hands, the cause I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space, born out the nebula. And everything I do is say the that's worthwhile. With assurance by your action and your first child. Yeah.